in spite of what you have been hearing lately, I am alive and well. <laughs> Thanks to the prayers of my dear brothers and sisters. Please continue praying for me. This morning, we are going to look at Psalm 48. So please stand with me if you can for the reading of God's precious word. I am reading from the LSB. Great is Yahweh and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. God in her palaces has made himself known as a stronghold. For behold, the kings assembled themselves. They passed by together. They saw it, then they were astonished. They were dismayed. They fled in alarm. Panic seized them there, anguish as of a woman in childbirth. With the east wind you break the ship of Tarshish. As we have heard, so we have seen. In the city of Yahweh of hosts, in the city of our God. God will establish her forever. We have thought on your loving kindness, O God, in the midst of your temple. As is your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion and go around her. Count her towers. Consider her ramparts. Go through her palaces that you may recount it to the next generation. For this is God. Our God, forever and ever, he will guide us over death. May God add his blessing to the reading of his precious word. And also I pray that God will help me to speak from his precious word with humility, with clarity, and with grace. Pray in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, a few people came and told me, Psalm 48 is one of my favorite hymns. I have to admit, this is one of my favorite too. The reason, this psalm starts with the greatness of Yahweh. And it ends with the confidence of the writer and also a great promise. For this is God, our God, forever and ever. I am sure you believers have that confidence this morning. 
I like to believe all of you. Then it says, He will guide us over death. In some translations it says, He will guide until death. There is one more thing I noticed in the psalm. When I started reading it. That is, we can see three generations in this psalm. Three generations. First we see in verse 8, as we have heard. They heard from the past generation. Then it says, as we have heard, so we have seen. One generation who are the eyewitnesses. Then the past generations, they shared these great stories to this present generation. Then, at the end we read, at the end of verse 13, that you may recount to the next generations. Dear ones, it is so important. Israel was so good in passing down the stories of how God got, got them out of Egypt, about Passover, and how God fed them in the desert, how he led them. And it is our responsibility, this great responsibility, to pass it on to the future generations. In fact, I like uh, the way Psalm 22 ends. At the end of Psalm 22 we read verse 30 and 31. Their seed will serve him. It will be recounted about the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done it. In simple terms, just in a few words. Tell to the next generation. After saying everything we see in Psalm 22, at the end, at the end it says, that he has done it. He has performed it. That is a great responsibility of each generation. And the psalm starts with, Great is Yahweh, and greatly to be praised. Before that, I want to mention one thing. About the prescript, at the top we say, see, a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. According to Matthew Poole, a Puritan writer, the word Hebrew word used sheer, it can also mean a joyful song. Yes, song of joy. As we read in Psalm 31, 7, Genesis chapter 31, verse 27, and Psalm 33, 1. This is indeed a joyful song because it is a song about Zion, the city of God. And it is a Zion song about the greatness of our God. 
And it is a song about our future. It is a song about our past. This is a joyful song. It should bring joy to the hearts of each believer. It's, and then it says, this is a third of three psalms written to celebrate the deliverance of Jerusalem by God from the Assyrian army in the days of Hezekiah. We saw Psalm 46 and 47 last two weeks. We heard some great messages from our brothers. And we can see that in 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse 9, chapter 19. And Isaiah chapter 36 and 37. The most important lesson we can learn from this psalm, I believe, it is a quote from somebody, I don't know actually who. I wrote it down from somewhere. It says, we can live confidently moving into the future because of what God has done in the past and continues to do in the present. We can live confidently moving into the future because of what God has done in the past and continues to do in the present. Dear ones, ask believers, we can say the same thing this morning. Because of what he has done for my soul and what he has done for each one of us by sending his son to the cross of Calvary, he will not keep anything away from us. He will give us all things. That's what we read in Romans. We can live confidently moving into the future because of what God has done in the past and continues to do in the present. I took the title of the psalm from verse 8, as I mentioned. There we read, as we have heard. It doesn't say where we heard it from or what did we hear. But we can, if you turn a few pages back, Psalm 44 verse 1, we can see that. Psalm 44 verse 1 we read, O God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have recounted to us the work that you did in their days, in the days of old. It says clearly, we heard it from our fathers. Now, we see it with our own eyes. Now we can see what you can do for your children. What you can do for Jerusalem. We can see it with our own eyes. The greatness and the presence of Yahweh. Chapter 48. Psalm 48 verses 1 to 3. How great is our God. We know great is Yahweh. Great is our God. How great is our God. In Psalm 145 and verse 3 we read. Great is Yahweh. And highly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. His greatness is unsearchable. 
Our words are, dear ones, not adequate to capture the greatness of our God. He is so great. That's the reason we should have that desire to know him more and more. That was one of the greatest desires of Apostle Paul, that I may know him. When we know him, <coughs> we will know and we will see the greatness of our God. This morning, my prayer is that we will be able to see and behold the beauty of our God, the beauty of our Savior, and the greatness of our God this morning. That is our prayer, my prayer this morning. And I have a quote from the treasury of David by Spurgeon. Concerning this verse, he says, Great is the Lord, how great Jehovah is, essentially none can conceive. But we can all see that he is great in the deliverance of his people, great in their esteem who are delivered, and great in the hearts of those enemies whom he scatters by their own fears. Instead of the mad cry of Ephesus, great is Diana, we hear the reasonable, demonstrable, self-evident testimony. Great is Jehovah. That's what Spurgeon said. He is great. All the great men of Bible saw his greatness. Nehemiah in his prayers, in Nehemiah 1.5 said, O Yahweh, the God of heaven, the great and fearsome God, Dear ones, this morning, may God help us to see and appreciate the greatness of our God. That is my prayer this morning. He is most praiseworthy as we see next. His, our praises of Him should correspond to His greatness. Our praises should correspond to his greatness. Sometimes we are Christ as Christians don't have a great high view of our Savior, our Lord. When we have a low view, our praises won't be that great. But when we have a high view, we will, our praises will be great. Then we see in the next few verses, his praises and his greatness he is, he is connected to a place. The name of that place is Mount Zion. It says, made himself God in the, uh, is Mount Zion in the north, the city of the great king. This God in their palaces, God has made himself known as a stronghold. Dear ones, he is great because of his deliverance of his people. Not only that, his greatness is due to who he is and what he has done for us. It says, the city of the great king. Dear ones, that city is great because the king is great. 
Because it is a place chosen by God himself to be his dwelling place. That is the reason Zion is great. That is the reason Jerusalem is great. Because the king is, that is his place. And also it says his holy mountain. Different people give different reasons why it is a holy mountain. I will say briefly, this mountain is called the holy mountain because he owns it. The great king, Yahweh, he owns it. And also, this is the place he chose to have his presence among his people. And also, where his temple, his holy priests, and his holy sacrifices were continually seen. Also, don't forget, the Ark of the Covenant had been placed there by divine appointment. This is a holy mountain. My time is going fast, so I will go to the next, next one, verses 4 to 8. In your outline it says, the flight of the enemy. Verses 4 to 8. In verse 4 we read, For behold, the king assembled themselves. They passed by. I just want to mention a few phrases the psalmist used there. It says, The kings assembled. They did not attack. They assembled around Jerusalem and the city of the great king. Then say, they saw it. They were astonished. They were dismayed and they fled. They saw it. They were astonished. They were dismayed. They fled. We can see the flight of the enemy there. You know why they fled? Because it was the city of the great king. And the Lord of hosts, this was his stronghold. It was a refuge for his people. And he was guarding it. He was guarding his place. That's the reason they could not come. They could not attack. They fled. And then, the end of that passage we see, in the city of our God, God will establish her forever. I believe it is talking about the new Jerusalem, because it is in the future tense. In the city of our God, God will establish her forever. God is the one 
who always delivered his people from their enemies. This may just may be just one instance when the Assyrian king Sennacherib and it's close to 200,000 men came there. Even though the kings assembled, they could not attack. Dear ones, when God is guarding, men are nothing. We read in Psalm 127, unless Yahweh builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless Yahweh watches the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. Even if all the men were staying awake and watching the city, that would not have helped them. Yahweh is their deliverer. God's presence made his dwelling place safe and secure. And the kings assembled and they fled. James Montgomery Boyce, he has this to say about this. He says in the Hebrew words similar to the well-known report of Julius Caesar about his victories in Gaul. After his victories, he said, Veni, vidi, vishi. I came, I saw, I conquered. Holy here, the kings did not conquer. They fled from the city in terror. The verbs literally say, they saw that is, Jerusalem is implied. They were dumbfounded. They were overwhelmed. They fled in panic. The enemy left in panic. But this time, I want to read something it is worth remembering that Hezekiah did. Dear believers, don't forget it. That is found in Second Kings chapter 19 and verse 14. 2 Kings chapter 19 and verse 14 we read. This happened when the kings were assembled. The Assyrian king, Sennacherib, sent his messengers with a threatening letter to King Hezekiah. And he was saying obscenities from outside. The people were afraid. They were terrified because of this great army. What did Hezekiah did? Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And he went up to the house of Yahweh and he spread it out before Yahweh. He spread it out. In other words, he said, God, there is nothing I can do. Here is a great enemy. 
My people are terrified. They cannot go outside the walls of Jerusalem. He went to the temple. Let me see. He is the same king who cleansed this temple a while ago because his father, King Ahaz, had defiled it. Hezekiah cleansed it. And they started using the temple again. He went to the temple and spread it out. He took his fears. He took his cares. His worries. Everything. He spread it before the Lord. Here it is. Lord, you handle it. There once a lot of times is this what we do? I'll tell, I'll tell you something. It shall be even thus with the enemies of Christ. It shall be even thus with the enemies of Christ. When the Lord comes to our help, our enemies shall be us nothing. Sometimes we act like we don't know this. Today the name of Christ, his church, his word are under attack by the enemies of Christ. Believers are mocked. Ministers of the gospel of Christ, they are mocked. They are threatened. Churches are threatened. These tyrants think they, they can tell us how to worship our God, when to worship our God, and how long we can worship our God. That's what they are trying to tell us. But I have news for them. It is not good. It is not good. Because when they attack Christians, when they attack God's servants, when they attack the church, they are attacking the bride of Christ. He bought with his precious blood. They are attacking the bride of Christ, whom he bought with his precious blood. I am absolutely sure and I find comfort in this because one day we will be vindicated and justice will be served. One day we will be vindicated and justice will be served. I like to read a verse from Proverbs chapter 21 verse 15. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 15. To do justice is pleasure for the righteous, but is ruin to the workers of iniquity. I like to read the translation from the ESV too. In the ESV we read, 
when justice is done it is a sure thing it will be done it is a joy to the righteous but terror to the evil doers meantime what can we do we can do what hezekiah did when we are under attack we can go to that one place to the throne of grace all our needs and all our pains all our cares we can spread it out before him lord i am leaving giving it this to you now we read that famous word selah think for a moment consider what we have been looking at we saw that they were asked what they have heard they have seen he is telling the people to think about the stories you have heard again and again how many times you have heard the stories of exodus and how we fed you and led you now you and i we have seen with our own eyes what he has done for us he has asking the this questions has he ever been unfaithful has our god been ever unfaithful to any of us has he ever been unable the next one is can anyone stop him from accomplishing what he wants to accomplish nobody can and the answer is a resounding no his programs his purpose it will go on nobody can stop it nobody can he said i will build my church in the gates of hades shall not prevail against it shall not overpower it and he is building a church today with you and me brothers and sisters he is now let me ask you when we think about all these things what he has done what is he will be doing what should be our response in this case what they did we have thought on your loving kindness of god in the midst of the temple we have thought on your loving kindness oh god in the midst of your temple rescued sinners they should often think about the loving kindness of god it says we have thought about the loving kindness of god where it is in the temple temple itself was a place where god's grace was revealed for these people there was a place for worship there was a place for prayer 
There was a place for sacrifice. For the atonement of sin. That itself was a place where he displayed his grace. In Psalm 118, we keep reading again and again. Give thanks to Yahweh for his good, for his loving kindness endures forever. God's people should not let God's wonders just pass by before their eyes. They should meditate on them. It is well to think of the past loving kindness in times of trial and equally profitable to remember it in times of prosperity. This word loving kindness in Hebrew, it is a word hesed. This is used about 250 times in the Old Testament, mostly in the Psalms. This love is as a result of God's covenant relationship with his people. This love is the unfailing love, faithful love, steadfast love. When we think about his love, how could we not respond? How could they not respond? How could they not offer praises? Dear believers, we cannot. We have to respond. We have to offer praises. Then, I'll move faster than verse 10 we read. And then, verse 10, As is your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. First we saw the worship. It is here they are witnessing. They are going out. His praiseworthy character is shown in his righteousness. He is talking about his righteousness and his praises. It is spread from coast to coast. And Spurgeon writes concerning this verse, this passage, great fame is due to his great name. The glory of Jehovah's exploits overlives the boundaries of earth. Angels behold with wonder and from every star delighted intelligence proclaims fame beyond the ends of the earth. What if men are silent? Yet the woods, the seas, and the mountains with all their countless tribes and all the unseen spirits walk them are full of divine Praise. I just want to look at a verse in Second Kings chapter seven, verse nine. These poor lepers they went to the Syrian camp. When they went there. The enemies, they are all gone. So what they did? They were hungry. They started eating the food. 
They went, then they went to from tent to tent, picking up all the gold and silver they could. Then, they, then I believe they looked at each other. It is not in the Bible, I just made it up. But I am sure they did. <laughs> and they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. But we are keeping silent. If we wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. So now come, let us go and tell the king's household. Listen carefully. These four lepers said, we are not doing right. This is a day of good news, but we are keeping silent. And they went and told the king's household, come and go. Let's go. Now, come, let's go. That's a mandate we have. Let's go. And then I'll go verses 11 to 13. When I was reading these verses, let Mount Zion be glad, let the daughters of Judah rejoice. Where the daughters means the small villages and the surrounding villages. It says, then at the end it says, that you may recount it to the next generation. Walk about Zion and go around her, count her towers, consider her ramparts, go through her palaces. First time I read this psalm, I had no idea what it meant, tell the truth. I kept on reading and reading. I don't like to spiritualize scripture. I believe we, we should look at this passage in the same context as verses 4 to 7. Verses 4 to 7, we see Jerusalem was surrounded by Sennacherib's army. People were afraid. They could not go outside. Now all on a sudden, God saved them. God saved them. I believe 185,000 of the Assyrian army they fell dead. An angel of God did it. The word was out. The word was out. Freedom, liberty, victory. This is the time to celebrate. We have the freedom to go out. God brought us the victory. Let us go out. And they were celebrating. They were going around. I don't know who was leading this. Maybe Hezekiah. 
maybe Prophet Isaiah, maybe the Levites, they were telling the people, go and look around. Can you see even a scratch on any of the pillars? Everything is standing unscathed. Nothing happened to any of them. And these Jews started celebrating. We know Jews are good at celebrating. That's the reason in Leviticus chapter 23. <coughs> there are so many for feasting and celebrating the feast of Jehovah. And celebrating. It is so exciting. <coughs> in fact, when I was thinking, when I was looking at this celebration, I thought if it wasn't for my bad back, I would have done some jumping and some singing. It is so exciting. In fact, I believe they were singing the words of Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a present help in trouble. And also I believe they were doing what they were supposed to do in Psalm 47. They were clapping their hands and they were making loud shout to God with the sound of a shout of victory. Dear ones, they were celebrating the victory. The enemy is gone. This morning, I want to remind you how much we have to celebrate. I really like that verse, our theme verse this morning. We meditate on that verse. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our transgressions according to the riches of his grace. How much God has done for us. How much freedom we have in Christ. How much liberty we have in Christ. How much victory we have in Christ. Dear ones, as believers, we need to celebrate. That's what we did at the Lord's Supper service this morning. It was a celebration. Jews got so many of them. But we have only one. That is the Lord's Supper. The communion service in the morning. If any of you doesn't fully understand the meaning of the Lord's Supper service, let me tell you, you don't know what you are missing. You don't know what you are missing. We are commanded to do it. It is the desire of our Lord's heart that people should remember him till he comes. That is a time of celebration. Then the last part. Then it says, go through the palaces that you may recount to the next generation. And then verse 14, their confidence. As we, confidence, there we read, for this is God, our God, forever and ever. He will guide us over death. Dear ones, this is God. This is the God who created everything. This is the God who got Israel out of Egypt. This is the sovereign God. 
This is the God keeping us, watching over us. This is the God who sent his son to the cross of Calvary to take our place, to die for our sins. This God, just like John the Baptist said in John chapter 1 verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The psalmist is saying, this God that we have seen, this great God is our God. He is our God. It is so personal. There is forever and ever. Dear ones, there is nothing in this world we can go say, call ours forever and ever. We cannot call our, our houses mine forever and ever. We cannot talk about our bank account. And even the relationships we have, we cannot say it will be there forever and ever. But there is one union that will stand forever. That is the fact that he is our God. And he will guide us over death. He will hold us. We need a guide in this world. He is our guide. Now, in closing, in a couple of minutes, I want to say this. Hezekiah did not see something that we did. Prophet Isaiah, unless he must have seen, and I believe he wrote the psalm, even though I don't think he fully understood. The Jews did not see it. The people did not see it. This morning, we can say, I have heard and I have seen. I am talking about Calvary and that man of Calvary. There is a beautiful hymn. The last four words we read, that man of Calvary has won my heart from me and died to set me free blessed man of Calvary. Jerusalem is beautiful because God is beautiful. Jerusalem and Mount Zion is great because God is great. But this morning we can say Jerusalem is great because it is there 2,000 years ago On that cross, the sinless one died for our sin. We read in Isaiah 53 verse 10, it pleased him to bruise his son. That is Calvary. That's what makes that place so special, so beautiful, for you and me. 
And now, one of these days, he is our living Savior. He is going to come back to take us to be with him forever and ever. And my prayer is that that will happen before I get back to my seat. <laughs> if that happens, it will be great. Then we are going to celebrate up there. In fact, I would say, Jesus Christ, he is going to celebrate with us. Great time. And then he is going to come back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I would say this. Some of you may not agree with me. You can agree to disagree. When he comes, we will be coming with him. We will be coming back with him. Brothers and sisters, the king is coming. The king is coming. But the question is, is everyone ready? Is everyone ready for the rapture? One day, going to stand before, before, before that great judge. And the question will be, it will not be how many times you went to the church? How, many time, how much money you gave to the church? The only question will be, what did you do with the son? What did you do with the son, the son of man? who gave himself for you. We can either accept him or reject him. If we reject him, hell is waiting for you. If we accept him, accept him as your Lord and Savior, then you can say with the psalmist, he is my Lord and Savior. He is my God forever and ever. And he will guide me Till death. I went a few minutes over. Sorry about that. And uh, I'll pray. And then Noel and the worship team will come and close the meeting. Our gracious, loving Father, we thank you for this wonderful time We could spend in your word. We thank you for your precious word, which is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Again, we thank you. We pray in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.